This is Falcon 9 Rocket to Mission Control. Our onboard computer systems seem to be unoperable at this time. Please advise. Thank you for calling SpaceX. How may we help you today? I am reporting that our onboard computers in Falcon 9 aren't operational at this time. Please advise. Are you having a technical issue? Affirmative. Please submit a ticket using your onboard computer system. Goodbye. How frustrating is it when you can't get a hold of someone? When a simple question can't be answered or when you get a runaround, it can really ruin a customer experience. Automation can create an incredible experience, but only sometimes. That and more coming up on the marketingandservice.com podcast. Hey, Justin Bruzzo here from marketingandservice.com podcast, the podcast designed to help you build your business by creating incredible customer relationships. If you find value in this episode, then please take a moment to follow or subscribe. And if you want to do me a huge favor, leave a five-star review. It means the world to me. And I would love to hear from you. Hit me up on the marketingandservice.com Facebook page. What marketing challenges are you having with your business? And what would you love to learn more about? Let me know and I might make a show just for you. In today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about automated customer service, because there are some things that make for an incredible experience when you have automated service, and there are some things that don't make for such a great experience when customer service is fully automated. A few examples I can think of is something as simple as if you have an issue with something on your iPhone, for example. You can open up the iPhone app. You can get support right then and there. You can schedule a time to go to the Apple Store. Now, this doesn't guarantee that your issue is going to be resolved or that everything's going to work out well, but the actual process of getting to the point of being able to schedule a service appointment is pretty much fully automated, and it's very easy to do, and it works well and gets you the appointment you need at the time you need it. Now, again, doesn't mean it's going to solve your problem. But that first step in trying to find a solution to your problem makes for a positive customer experience. We all know and we've all been in the position where you call a company and you get into some automated phone tree that makes it impossible to find the answer for the problem that you're having. Either you can't get a hold of someone or you're put on hold or you get this runaround or you have a very simple question and now you got to go through 900 menus and seven different phone calls to get the answer to it. It can be incredibly frustrating. In today's episode, I'm going to pick on Tesla, and the reason I'm doing that is because I am seriously considering buying a Model 3 Tesla, and I'm also seriously considering Tesla solar panels on my roof. And naturally, as someone who tends to turn to the internet to find reviews of companies, I was quite surprised to see the reviews that I did. So for example, Consumer Affairs has an overall rating of 3.8 for Tesla. This is primarily for their car division. Trustpilot, on the other hand, has 46% of their reviews negative. I noticed that these are much more globally based, which could be part of the problem. A lot of posts from France and Germany and other countries, which I didn't really notice so much on consumer affairs. 
But what was interesting is the content of most of these. The issues weren't that people were having a particular problem. Uh, everyone kind of accepts you're going to have problems when you're living in the future and you are driving in that early adopter stage. I think most people can accept that things might not be absolutely perfect. But the hope is that when you spend money, especially a lot of money on a new car, if you have an issue, it will get resolved. And this is where Tesla is really struggling. There's some things that they do very, very cool in the app. For example, the entire purchase process of the car happens inside the Tesla app. There's almost nothing you can do in person. In fact, during the peak of COVID, when all the dealerships were closed, you could buy the Tesla and you would simply pull into the parking lot and drive away in your new car, completely touchless and without having to interact with a human being, with everything being done within the app. This is the epitome of very cool and very incredible customer experiences built around software and automation. But like we just discussed, the real issue is when you have a problem that falls outside of the scope of perfection. And what I mean by that is if you have a incredibly routine purchase process, you're doing a loan through Tesla, you got your car in the expected time frame, everything is going well, the process works perfectly, and it works flawlessly beyond what any other car company could ever, ever accomplish within a single app on a phone. But when you look at all the complaints, the issues are things like someone signed up for Tesla financing, but the car showed up 60 days late, and now that financing is no longer any good. Now, the app could have said, hey, just by the way, your financing expired, but instead, people would show up to the dealership and find out there were no keys in the car they thought they were going to get because they couldn't close the deal because of the financing problem. This was a very common complaint, and one that seemingly seems like it would be easy to fix and put that time frame right into the app to remind people, hey, these pre-approvals for loans are only good for 30 days or 60 days or whatever it might be. The, the problems go on and on and on and on. Now, I'm beating up on Tesla because that's on the top of my mind, and that's what I've been looking at a lot lately. I've had the same experience, and I'm sure you have too if you've ever shopped with Amazon. They make some things like returning something so incredibly easy, right? It's customer-centric. You can print the label. They'll come pick it up. Usually, they pay for it. They make it just super, super easy. But if you have a problem that lies outside of the scope of one of the options that you can pick in a drop-down menu, you're going to have a really, really hard time getting service that is going to be satisfactory in that situation. And I can give a personal specific example of where this happened. I actually uh, lost some weight and my wedding ring no longer fit, so I wanted to buy a new band that was a little bit smaller. So I had ordered one, and it turns out the one I ordered was still a little too big. So I ordered a second one that was a bit smaller, and that one was perfect. Somehow, when I was trying these on and comparing them, I actually ended up sending back an empty box to Amazon. And I noticed it about two days later, after I got my refund for the thing that I returned with nothing in it, that I had done this. And I had the ring, and I put it in the box that the one I was wearing had come in by mistake. So I basically just sent back the wrong box. So I get on with customer service after a little finagling and trying to figure out how. But I did finally get to someone, and I said, hey, listen, you know, I, I have this ring. Uh, it, one, I don't want to get in trouble for this. Uh, two, it was an accident. And three, I do want to send it back. How do I go about doing that? And they gave me an address for a return center and said I could ship it there. But with no box, no barcode, and no nothing else, I can't possibly imagine how that would have gotten returned. 
And when I asked about this, the second person said, just keep it or throw it away. We don't want it back. So the interesting part here is that with all the technology that Amazon has, what they don't have is the ability to do something if they can't run it through an automated scanner, which is the same issue that we're talking about here. They created incredible automation, not just in the service center, but in the fulfillment, in the distribution, in the stocking, in the pricing control, in the inventory systems. Everything is highly, highly automated. Someone's not sitting there trying to figure out how many iPods they have to stock at Christmas time. Those types of things are completely automated. Looking at historical sales data to make estimates for the future. This is why when you have one of these service issues that don't fit into the confines, it's almost impossible for someone no matter how zealous and overachiever they are at Amazon or Tesla, it is almost impossible for them to resolve the problem for you because they don't have the mechanisms in which to do it. And when you have a company that's so large with such big scale, it's really, really difficult to do things that aren't strictly by the book. So to jump back to Tesla, for example, Teslas are fairly sophisticated vehicles, right? We all know that they're really kind of a car of the future. They are more of a software company than they are a hardware company. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, you know, what makes a Tesla a Tesla is that software, the screen, and all the things that it does within that. And in a lot of ways, that's made Tesla a more nimble and more effective company than traditional car companies, especially right now with this chip shortage, Tesla's able to just sort chips from anywhere because they just need one chip to power their computer and that powers the entire car where traditional cars have hundreds of chips that control everything from windshield wipers to power seats to all that stuff. Tesla has all that but it's not controlled by modules within those devices. They're literally all triggered by software on the main computer of the car which again automation the processes are amazing. The downside if anything goes wrong with that particular computer your entire car is now dead where obviously you can have broken heated seats, you can have broken lights, you can have all sorts of broken things on a car, traditional gas car, and it's going to be just fine unless it's something that significantly impacts the drivetrain, like the engine or the transmission, then you might be in trouble. But that is just an example, again, of these automated processes that create incredible experiences, but can also create the incredibly frustrating experience. So one of the most common things is that the people on the phone don't have the product knowledge that they need to have to serve the customer. This is especially true with the Tesla cars. Now, that kind of makes sense. If you think about it, an operator giving technical support at a level one in Tesla is probably not driving a $120,000 Model S, yet they're answering questions about that car all day long. And because those people don't have any practical experience behind the wheel of that car, they really don't know what they're talking about. They rely on data databases and Q&As and other things that is common in all service and support mechanisms, especially in large companies. You can't expect that everyone in the service department is going to have a full understanding of every single product and feature that a company puts out. But when you have a company like Tesla that only makes three different models uh, with very few configuration options, it should be a lot easier to train staff to really understand all of the feature sets within that vehicle. And clearly Tesla has failed to do this because the most common issue is that the operators and the phone support cannot answer any questions and no matter what we'll just say oh we'll, we'll do a mobile service where with a Tesla because there's not a lot of dealerships they'll come to you and fix the car if you are outside of one of their service areas. 
But of course, that service is limited to certain things. And for the people who own these cars, you would usually know if something is limited to a mobile service where someone can just come out and say, oh, hey, I'm going to hit this button. I'm going to reset this and you're going to be good to go versus, hey, the uh, motor fell out of the back of my car. Uh, You can expect that a mobile service rep is not going to be able to just jack that up and fix it in a parking lot of your work. And one of the complaints is that no matter what, it's just, oh, yeah, we'll do a mobile ticket and someone will come out and take a look at this. And it's like, wait, no, I know that this is not something that can't be done. It's got to get back to the dealership. No, don't worry about it. We're going to send out the mobile tech. So I see that over and over and over and over again. And again, I understand the complexity of this situation here because now you're what you're really asking is for an operator or a phone support person to determine what is actually wrong with the car. So my guess is Tesla wants to err on the side of caution. It's probably much more expensive to send out the mobile rep to just say, hey, this is something silly. Uh, You didn't plug it in or the battery's dead or (laughs) any one of the common things that anyone in tech support deals with 90% of the time. But you see, that's the problem is that it's the 10% of the time that drives people nuts. It's the 10% of the time that leads to 46% of the reviews being negative when it comes to service. It's that 10% of the time that takes a company from five stars to three stars. That 10% is the part that is the challenge. And that is also the part where you can really turn things around and be the winner in that customer service equation. And that's what I want you to think about with your business is what are you doing for the 10%? Maybe you have no automation. Maybe you're a very small business and you deal with every single customer personally, and that's amazing. But then your challenge is going to be how do you scale past that? If you're the gatekeeper of all service and support, at some point, if you're running your business and you're growing, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. You're going to have to trust someone else to do that. And the person you're entrusting with that is not going to have the knowledge that you have, which means that you're going to have to build out some type of mechanism or some type of procedure that's going to cover a lot of the common issues so that person is able to adequately respond. The other issue is that you will still need that escalation process because if someone does get stuck and they say, hey, you know, I I, I look through everything I have here and I don't think I can find the answer to this particular problem, where does it go from there? And this is one of the other big issues and complaints that I see for both Amazon and Tesla. And again, I'm just picking these two companies because I've, I've had personal experiences so far with them that are at the top of my mind. But this goes for any tech company, really. It's the tech industry that kind of really drove the whole idea of community support and, and no customer customer service. And I think that's pretty much always been the case in tech. I mean, I go back to when I was six or seven years old and dad brought home the first IBM PC. I don't think there were phone numbers on the back of those software packages where you could call and ask silly questions like, how do I turn this on? It was expected you were going to read the manual and figure it out. And back then there were no updates either. What was final was final. If you bought something, that was it. It is what it was. You weren't going to get updates a month later fixing a bunch of things that were broken, which in one way made them set out to take their time and really make things right because the software back then worked pretty darn well for what it did. And today we take that for granted because we get things so fast and so quick and we're eager to get a new feature before the kinks are worked out and willing to deal with it, knowing that the hope that the fix will come. But as we've seen, there's so many things that happen that we really never get caught up. There's never a time where everything is just perfect because we're constantly adding new features that we quickly rely on while they're still trying to fix old things and it just becomes a big jumbled mess. And this really is still something that is unique to the tech world and you don't see it in other 
other industries quite as much. Not to say it doesn't exist, but really the tech world is the one that drives this self-serve, self-community, and will fix it later attitude. There's a lot of physical things that you buy that you just can't do that. I mean, things like clothing, food, you know, it just has to be right when you get it. You can't just say, oh, buy this pair of pants. We know everything's broken, but you know, in three months, we'll push out an update and you'll get a new zipper in the mail. That just doesn't work in other industries. But tech world gets away with it, and we deal with it because, quite frankly, a lot of the things we have have changed our lives and makes for a really incredible experience and saves us time and saves us money, we think. Maybe, maybe not. I, I know I spend way too much money on tech stuff. Nonetheless, there has to be a way to balance the automation of customer service with personalized service. And I think part of the issue that Tesla is suffering is the fact that they have this staff. You get a sales advisor who's a real human being when you purchase a car. The problem is, is that person really is not enabled or empowered. And I've talked about this a lot in other episodes of this podcast about the importance of empowering employees. And one of the other primary complaints that has driven a lot of negative reviews is estimated delivery dates. This is something that is fairly unique to Tesla because the demand is so high right now, and they're still relatively a young car manufacturer. They are not pumping out the quantity of cars that Toyota pumps out or that Honda pumps out. It's just not happening. They produce the cars much slower. They have very fewer factories than these other companies. And they are still facing the supply chain issues, even though particularly not the chip shortage, but they certainly use a lot of components in making a car that they still have to rely on other vendors, and they are in the same position as everyone else in the car business. So they have been short basically since they've been making cars. From day one, they've always been behind the eight ball. Elon Musk does an incredible job of promoting things. He collects a lot of the money up front, and then he has to deliver a product. And unfortunately, that product always comes a little bit later than he thought it would come, although it always does come. And of course, the demand is always higher, I think, than anticipated, especially now with gas prices through the roof. Tesla is really strained with delivery dates. And some of the inexpensive cars, like the base model uh, Tesla, Three, you're going to be waiting just about a year now. Dates are out to September 2023 on some combinations. And that is obviously just a decision of dollars and cents. Uh, It's much more profitable for them to sell the expensive cars and deliver those first and collect the bulk of the money. And then when everything is done and caught up, start working on the least expensive cars and selling those because obviously they don't have nearly the profit margin that the more featured vehicles have. What this has done for the consumers, put them in a spot where they are constantly looking at this app every 30 seconds to see if they've got their car yet. And then eventually those dates start shifting. They bought the car, they ordered the car, and it says the date is going to be three months later. Then two months later, it puts it out another month later. Then they might see that it's going to come three weeks later, but then the date changes again. And these dates keep flopping around. I don't know why. I don't know what those dates are based on. And for me to even speculate would be insane. But it doesn't matter because this is something that is been incredibly frustrating for people. I read these reviews over and over and over again. So many of them are just about blown delivery dates. And part of it is, I think, a little bit of that consumer entitlement, like we're crybabies. I'm going to whine if I don't get my car when I think I'm going to get it. And, you know, another month goes by, my whole life is over and, and my life is ruined. And everything I tried to work hard for sucks now because I didn't get my car when I thought I was going to get it. That that definitely plays a little bit of a role. Uh, I don't know what the expectations are with other vehicles. I've, I've never 
looked at a car that really had a long back order or something that I would ever pay a premium for. I see nowadays people paying $15,000, $20,000, $30,000 over MSRP for trucks and vehicles that they really don't have a choice. They have to get them and they can't and they have to pay whatever price they have to get to do their job or get to work or perform the functions and duties that earn them a living. And one of the beauties with Tesla is you don't have dealership middlemen and they don't artificially inflate the price around demand. Now, of course, yes, Tesla has increased their price over and over and over again. That Model 3 was originally going to be the $30,000 car, and now it's pretty much a $45,000 car, and nobody really cares. It didn't really make a big difference. They just decided that it was worth more than that. But at least you know that you're getting it for the same price as everyone else, and you're not just getting gouged. So again, there's pros and cons to all of this. But the moral is that you need to look at the processes that you have in place and think about Again, how will you handle, and 10% is a number I made up, maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 1%, maybe it's 1 in 1,000. I don't know what that is, but there is always that. There's something. There's always a percentage that is not going to fit into whatever process and procedures you have in place, and you really have to think about how you can handle that percentage. And maybe it's a special team. Think of it as like the special ops of customer service, the ones that go in there. The SEAL Team 6 of customer service goes in there and solves the problem that no one else can solve. Uh, whatever it is, you really need that escalation process to be clear, not necessarily to the consumer because you don't want consumers bypassing basic level one support when they have basic level one questions because they think they're going to get it faster or easier. And I understand that is also an issue that always happens in these customer service routines. But you want to make sure that there isn't a clear escalation procedure for a level one support person to when they can pass it to level two. And I think the threshold should be fairly low, maybe lower than it is now. And again, I'm not in that world, and I'm gonna try to get some guests on that have uh, more experience with large customer service centers, that oversee those types of numbers and might have a little better insight on the statistics. But I do think there has to be a better balance because at the end of the day, companies are continually priding themselves on customer service, customer satisfaction. And the thing that's crazy is Tesla drivers are all really satisfied with the car. Now, trust me, there's probably a few out there who bought lemons. Uh, I think in any brand, just about any brand, you're going to see that. But the people who drive, they love their car. They love it. I mean, obsessed with it. It is really cool. And you don't see that with a lot of other brands. In my experience, when someone's that obsessed with something, they generally will overlook little things here and there because they're so overwhelmed with the experience of that product or service. When it gets so far that these people are now the haters and they're regretful and now their entire experience has been ruined, then you really have to take a look and figure out how do we fix this? So one of the other Tesla issues is parts. It's a car that's really brand new. It's high demand. Again, not unique to Tesla. If you buy a new model, new design car from just about any manufacturer and you drive it off the lot and it gets smashed by a truck, there's a good chance you're going to be waiting a very, very long time for parts. I had uh, probably about 10 or 15 years ago an Acura TL that was a, a brand new lease. It was the first year of a redesign. And after a week, I had a plow come around and swipe the side of the car from back to front. And it took almost two months for them to get parts because no one had them. There was no place to go except Acura. It was a brand new car. They probably hadn't even started shipping parts yet for it. Uh, and, and it makes for a difficult situation. Now, take that same thing with Tesla. 
Most of their cars are, you know, young. Uh, no, none of the generations, I think, are even more than three years old at this point. So, and they're so far behind, they are also very far behind with parts availability. So one of the big complaints is if someone does have an issue, uh, the first one I saw was somebody hit a pothole uh, and it was so bad it actually ripped the tire and damaged the wheel. Problem is, is nobody had a wheel or a tire that would fit that car. And that person was without a car for almost a month just because of a wheel and tire. And because Tesla is Tesla and it's they're the only ones, there's no other, you know, off the shelf wheel and tire they could have just thrown on in the meantime. Or maybe they could have and they just didn't try. But the bottom line is, if you bought a brand new car, especially a, a Model S, and you've just spent $130,000 and you smash a pothole uh, and you don't even care how much the wheel or tire costs and you just can't get it. That's frustrating. That ruins the experience because now you've really got a sour feeling. What else is going to go wrong? What else might break and I need to get fixed and I'm going to be without my car? Because there are things that happen and it doesn't mean it's a bad quality. Uh, it means that you hit a big pothole and you do that with any car. There's a good chance you're going to burst a tire. Uh, if you do it with a Honda Civic, you're going to have a really easy time going to any tire store in the country and picking up a new wheel and tire. Even if it doesn't match, if you were desperate, you'd have no problem going. You'd go to a junkyard, get a wheel. They've been making the same wheel tire combinations on those cars for a decade and they're a best-selling car. So there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of these vehicles out there. It's easy to get stuff for. And I'm not talking about this to defend Tesla's customer service, but I'm 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 mentioning it because it's it's a it's a genuine problem, right? It's it's legit. It's a legit issue. Uh, they are behind. They're the car has incredible demand. They don't have enough supply. They don't have enough parts. They don't have enough support. They they don't have enough chargers. They're they're doing all this. They're building it. They're working it. It looks like they recognize it, but it's just not there yet. Now maybe three or four years from now, everything gets caught up. Things get somewhat normal, their production in global markets increases dramatically, and now that they have that part of the equation under control, they can really focus on service and start building that out in bigger and better service centers. And I would think that would be what they would want to do because they seem to be a company that really wants to create an incredible experience for their customers. But it'll be interesting to see how they go about doing it. Now, Amazon is a much more mature company, and we see specifically the shortfalls with Amazon. And honestly, they're usually pretty far and few between, but there's been issues like if I get a package for someone else. Uh, I, and, and honestly, a lot of people, I'm going to say this has probably happened to you. You open your door and there's a box from UPS and it has someone else's name and someone else's address on it. And someone just goofed and brought it to your house by mistake. Now, what do you do? You call UPS, you ask them to pick it up. Sometimes they will. Uh, they're usually pretty good with that, but uh, let's say it's the correct address, but the wrong name and definitely not something you ordered could just have been typo when someone was placing the order. Who knows how it happened? It doesn't matter. But the bottom line is now you have this thing you want to give it back. You see it came from Amazon. You call Amazon. Hey, I got, I, well, can't call Amazon. You go online with a chat and you try to explain to someone that you got a package that wasn't yours. You want to send it back. And it's, it's like they don't even begin to understand that that's a possibility or how that could happen. And of course, with more Amazon delivery drivers that aren't 
necessarily professional delivery drivers. I'll say that because I, you know it seems about just about anyone, almost like Uber now. You can be an Amazon delivery driver if you want to be, and I'm guessing you're not going through the same training regimen that someone working for UPS uh, for 20 years will have gone through. So you see a lot of these mistakes happening, and I get it. They're in the same position as Tesla. They just started uh, basically building out an entire global shipping operation. It's going to take some time to square things away and make them right. The bottom line is Jeff Bezos has not been able to figure out how to deal with that 1%. And he's a pretty smart guy. Elon Musk is a really smart guy too. And he's having a hard time trying to figure out that 1% or 5% or 10%, whatever it might be. So no one's actually figured this out yet. So what are we talking about? Why am I even talking about it if there's no solution? I'm talking about it because my guess is you're not Jeff Bezos, you're not Elon Musk, and you're listening to this because you want some actionable information that can help you with your business. And I think one of the huge advantages you have as a small business owner or a medium-sized business owner is you have that ability to be nimble. You have that ability to quickly change a process. You have the ability to have something escalated to you personally, if need be. If there's something that's very bizarre where you can make that executive decision, you also have the ability to grant that ability to someone else, right? You can give executive decision-making power to someone else in your organization say, hey, listen, I don't have time to deal with this, but listen, you you can, and I give you full authority, you make the call, and I'll, I'll back you on it. If there's a service issue, if there's a refund issue, if there's a product, or if we have to expedite something because the customer's been waiting too long, you don't have to run to me every time and ask permission. Just do it. Just get it done. Keep the customer happy. Of course, that might not apply to 100% of that 1% or 5% or 10% that don't fit the mold, but it should take a huge chunk of those people and give them the flexibility they need. Now, here's, of course, the dilemma if you are Tesla and you simply cannot get a part for a car because, one, you don't make it or you're relying on a vendor, there's COVID, there's supply chain issues, it's sitting on a freight ship for three months outside of LA. I mean, there's so many possible reasons why something like this could happen. What do you do? What is the solution when there is no solution? If you've got the car and you've got a customer and you've got a broken wheel and you simply cannot get another wheel, how can you appease that customer? Now, it would be easy to say, oh, just give them a a really nice Tesla loaner, Uh, but there are none because they're all sold. We don't have any Tesla loaners. It's not even a thing. From what I understand, most Tesla owners, if they are left without a car, they will get Uber credits to get to wherever they need to go and Tesla will pay for it, which in a way is smart because they don't have to maintain a fleet of loaner cars or worry about it and you still get to go where you need to go and you don't have to pay for it. It's kind of cool, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, it sounds weird to say it. Like, do I want to Uber from the Tesla dealership to my house and then to work every day? And there's there's definitely a little experience difference, I think, between planning on someone picking you up and just being able to get in your car and go. Uh, You know, if it was two, three days, I probably wouldn't mind it. Uh, Three months, even if they funded everything, that would be pretty frustrating to have to take an Uber everywhere and every single time I wanted to do anything, have to wait for someone to come pick me up. I'd I'd probably get pretty tired of it myself. So what is the solution? Uh, Supercharger credit? Uh, I see that they do do that sometimes, uh, but it does seem that those exceptions are exceptions. I don't see it often. There do seem to be a lot of people who have legitimately been wronged, for lack of a better word. Uh, They are suffering and incurring some type of emotional distress or 
physical inability to go to work or whatever it may be, they are experiencing a serious problem that wasn't their doing. You know, if you if you uh, drunk drive your car into a tree and now you're waiting for, well, I guess that's kind of your fault. But if you just get the car home and now something doesn't work, you, you know, the key doesn't work and they say, well, it's going to take three weeks to get you a new key. There, there should be something something there where you can say, listen, we can somehow compensate this for you. Uh, and it may not always be a payout, but again, you know, what costs Tesla very little? Can they give someone, hey, here, here's a, a couple hundred hours of supercharging to certainly make up for whatever? Uh, there's some things I think they could do, and they sometimes do, but there's usually stipulations on what I've seen. People who do get free supercharging credits because they have a problem, they usually expire. There's like a lot of little things beyond it that make it not really reasonable for most people. So they get it and it feels good, but they probably will never use it, which maybe that's the goal. Uh, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a bad system. I don't know. Keep it in the back of your mind. The goal of today's episode is the 1%, the 5%, the 10%. Whatever it is, the customers that you can't create a perfect experience for, what is their pathway to get as close to perfection as possible? And if you can't map out that pathway, then you are in the same boat as Tesla, you're in the same boat as Amazon, you're in the same boat as Google or any other tech company where you have an inability to serve a percentage of your audience because you don't have a system in place. I'm not saying that you can appease every cut. There's always going to be the unhinged lunatic that's no matter what you did, you could give them the company and give them free products, and they'll still just say you're an idiot and everything sucks. That that You can't avoid that. But what I'm talking about is if you have a percentage of customers that don't fall into the typical day-to-day -day issues, and as you know, as a business owner, 90% of your time, you usually are dealing with exceptions to rules, right? It's always about putting out fires. It's always about appeasing things. It's always about how we're going to tackle this. There's a problem with this. This delivery didn't come in time. This is going to be back ordered. We thought we could do this now, but now we can't because this changed or this changed or this vendor went out of business or this place closed or this street's under repair. I mean, there's so many things that happen, right? And we're always putting out those fires. And the goal is come up with a system to deal with a portion of that where you don't have to put out those fires anymore. Think about those problems. What are the problems that can be somewhat resolved, where you can say, hey, we can't do this, but we can do this, 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 and this, and hopefully the customer will accept it and understand it. It won't cost us a fortune or put us out of business, but it'll keep everybody somewhat happy. Maybe not thrilled, but not so angry and this fury and this disdain for you and your company because they really, really got screwed. Think about that. Keep that at the top of your mind. That is the lesson for today. Deal with the percentage that doesn't fit your mold. Listen, thanks for listening so much. If you like this episode, please like and subscribe. You can always shoot me an email if you have a question or you want to dig a little deeper into something. Shoot me an email, justin at marketingandservice.com. That's J-U-S-T-I-N at marketingandservice.com. You can always hit me up at the marketingandservice.com Facebook page. If you really enjoy this show, share it with someone. Let someone you know, a coworker, maybe someone you know who has a business say, hey, I, I heard this show. It's got some good marketing advice because I always want to grow my show just like you want to grow your business. And I think that's a wrap for today. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and I will catch you on the next one. Falcon 9 to Mission Control. Falcon 9 to Mission Control.
Mission Control, was there anyone there? Hello? Hello?